0: Ladies and gentlemen, joining us now is a man who's got a massive brain.
3: Mike Florio.
0: He used to be a lawyer, then he decided to take his talents to the internet.
3: NBC Sports. I'm sorry I'm late, I was talking to Robert Kraft. Pro Football Talk. I wouldn't listen to some of those people out there, especially guys like Mike Florio. Mike Florio with Bernstein, Holmes, and Rahimi on
1: Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. What a time to be alive and observing the NFL. My goodness, we never saw this coming. Mike Florio is in the middle of everything right now as the creator and editor-in-chief of Pro Football Talk at Pro Football Talk on Twitter and with us on the Circus Sports Illinois hotline, twitch.tv slash Chicago 670 The score. Mike, how are you?
3: I'm doing great, and I'm happy to announce that with the first press conference of new coach hiring season, it's not suit and tie season. They've ditched the suit and tie for Gerard Mayo. It's about time. I'm a, I'm a big opponent of these coaches showing up for their introductory press conference wearing something they never, ever wear except to a wedding or a funeral. Anyway. I had to get that off
0: my chest. Well, I'm glad that you brought it up because I did want to talk about uh, Gerard Mayo as, as his introductory press conference is going on as we speak. How did they do this? What, what was it about him? I've heard people refer to him as like Belichick's son. Like other former players have said that about Gerard Mayo. Why was this done? And how did they put the succession plan in place for it to satisfy all of the rules of
3: hiring? Devin McCourty, who played with Gerard Mayo and played for Gerard Mayo in New England, explained recently that when Mayo retired, he got into corporate America for a while before he came back to coaching. And he always had a plan. He wants to be a head coach. And he had learned enough during his time elsewhere to maybe have the skills to become that CEO of a football team. And the way that it worked, and this when you look back to last year there was an announcement made by the patriots that was kind of vague about mayo's contract there was a new contract that was negotiated but there is an exception to the rooney rule that allows a team to short circuit the formal search process by having a succession plan in place contract commitment in writing filed with the league in advance and when this first came up last week there was a suggestion that maybe the Patriots would go in a different direction. And in theory, they could, but there would have been a significant buyout obligation because you basically promised the head coaching job contractually and in advance to one specific person. And it would have come down to the contract, but there would have been a major check written to Gerard Mayo if they had decided to open this up and have a full search. So they already had it in place. The Colts did it with Jim Caldwell in 2009 the seahawks did it with jim mora in 2009 and the ravens did it with gm eric to in 2018 where it's all set up ahead of time and it's just a matter of pressing the button once the coach is out in comes the new coach or the new gm with the pre-negotiated contract for whatever reason the nfl allows that as an exception to the rooney rule and that's what happened in new england
1: how serious is the jim harbaugh nfl interview tour
3: I think it's very serious. I think when you look at the fact that two years ago, when he left his office the day before letter of intent signing day and went to Minnesota, and as I've heard it, he believed he was going to be offered the job to be the Vikings head coach. Obviously, he wasn't. Last year, there was interest from the Broncos. This has been percolating. And look at the NCAA with multiple investigations Jim Harbaugh has done everything he can at the college level, winning a championship. And he said in the past he has unfinished business in the NFL. And he's created the very clear impression he regards winning a Super Bowl as a bigger deal than winning a national championship. So I think this is real. I think he's going to be gone. And there was a report yesterday. I don't want to get too far into the details because it'll put people to sleep. But some of the demands he's making as he negotiates with Michigan are impractical and unrealistic and I think could just be a way for him To leave with a clear conscience and say, hey, they wouldn't give me what I wanted. So I had no choice but to move on.
4: I think it's also what happens when you're playing with the amount of house money that he is. He climbed that mountaintop, he got exactly what he wanted, took down Nick Saban, for goodness sake, and is a man playing with uh, as much house money as you could possibly have. This, this is a decision that he can make for whatever reason he needs to, because what other goal does he need to achieve right now?
3: And he's had a great track record of winning in the NFL. The 49ers were 6-10 the year before he became the head coach. Year one, they were on the brink of the Super Bowl. They took the Giants to overtime. Year two, they went to the Super Bowl and almost won it. Year three, back to the NFC Championship. But the 49ers failed to navigate and manage Jim Harbaugh the way they needed to. And that's a message to all teams out there. Most recently, the Titans have given us more proof of this. When you have a great coach, you have to find a way to make it work. You have to find a way to coexist with a difficult personality. Newsflash, NFL coaches have difficult personalities. They coach everyone. They tell people what to do. They demand more from others than others may want to give. They want to win. And it rubs some people the wrong way in an organization. They don't like to be told what to do. And so when you have a great coach, you make it worth it. I firmly believe if they hadn't run him out of San Francisco, they would have won a Super Bowl by now. And yes, they're in good hands with Kyle Shanahan. They haven't won a Super Bowl yet. They would have had one by now.
0: Mike, what do you believe to be true about what's happening in Pittsburgh with Mike Tomlin?
3: Well, I believe what I reported over the weekend that after the season, The plan was to talk to his family about his future. Now, it must have been a quick conversation. I'm staying, he told the players yesterday as coach for 2024. Here's the key. He's never before entered the final year of his contract. Every other time his contract was creeping toward expiration, the Steelers gave him a new deal with at least two years left. Now, he can see the finish line. Now, if he chooses, he can say, I'm not really interested in signing another contract. I'll just become a free agent rarely do we see an nfl head coach say and i really think it's unprecedented the head coach says i'm just going to honor my contract and then i'll go wherever i go after that now he loves coaching the steelers great young team but they've never allowed him to have this opportunity to ponder becoming a free agent and it's on them you know i hear all the time from people connected to the Steelers and intermediaries. Oh, they love him. Oh, they're never gonna let him go. Oh, they're never gonna fire him. Well, that's fine. Why didn't you sign him to a new contract before he got to the point where he's one year away? And I also think, when you look at all these vacancies that are out there and everybody knows about the noise surrounding Mike Tomlin, no one is prevented from picking up the phone and calling Art Rooney II and saying, How about two ones and two twos to get Mike Tomlin? And that would prompt, presumably, Art Rooney to go to Mike Tomlin and say, hey, look, are you going to sign an extension or not? Because if you're not, and I'm not going to get anything if you walk away next year, I got a nice offer on the table. So if someone does initiate a real dialogue with the Steelers about essentially trading for Mike Tomlin, that could force this issue to a head, regardless of what he's told his players. All we know is he's not walking away between now and 2024. We don't know what happens after 2024, and we won't know until he either signs an extension or they trade him. And the one thing we know is when he has his end-of-season press conference, if you ask him about his contract, he's just going to turn and walk away.
4: Mike scuttlebutt in Dallas is that Jerry Jones won't want to buy out Mike McCarthy's contract. How much do you believe that?
3: Will or won't?
4: Won't. Like, he doesn't want to.
3: Well, I mean, and, and, and I wonder this from time to time, and I don't know what the right answer here is. Jerry Jones acts like his number one goal in life is to win another Super Bowl, that he's obsessed with it, that he's driven by it, that he's tormented by it. And sometimes I wonder, is he just playing the role of Carnival Barker? You know, if the ultimate fan for a given team, the owner of the team, is all in all the time, the fans are all in all the time, and the converse, I think, could be true. If the fans don't sense that the owner is all in, maybe they don't spend their money on tickets and spend a bunch of other money when they go to the game on a bunch of overpriced crap that they could get at the grocery store for a hell of a lot less than it costs at the game. And everything that goes along with being a fan, the emotional baggage and spending time watching games on TV when you don't go to the games in person and everything else that goes along with it. And I just can't help but wonder, is he laughing all the way to the bank when he acts upset that they don't Win a Super Bowl, because even if you don't win the Super Bowl, you still win. Even if you go winless, you still win. They're all making more and more and more money and seeing the values of their franchises skyrocket. So I don't know. Is it is it a grift? If he keeps Mike McCarthy and doesn't want to pay him for one year of his salary to go away and go hire an upgrade after what we saw on Sunday, I'm going to be tempted to think it is a grift that he really isn't as tormented as he pretends to be. Because how can you not? witness what happened on Sunday and come to the conclusion that if there's a potential upgrade out there, I'm going to go try to hire.
0: Mike, do you think that, that franchises want to turn their franchise over to this version of Bill Belichick?
3: Well, here's the question. How chagrined is he? How humbled is he? How willing is he to take less power than he had in new England? He made the comment, nine days ago before we knew what was going to happen with the patriots and on the surface it's a message to robert Kraft at the time that maybe belichick would take less power to stay it's also a message to other owners out there coming through the door he'll accept guardrails and he has praised repeatedly Stephen and jerry jones for what they've done by way of putting a great team together and they have they've put together great talent and belichick's superpower is to walk into the room Take those players, whoever they are, whip them up into the best version of themselves by coming up with game plans based upon their unique skills and abilities and based upon what they anticipate the opposing team is going to do, a game plan for the offense, for the defense, unique to that opponent, and do it again the next week, and do it again the next week, and win games when they are the lesser team on the field. You give him a better team than what he's put together in New England, and it would work. Now, here's the question. Would Arthur Blank, the owner of the Falcons, in order to keep him from going to one of these other teams where he'd have less power, just say to Belichick, I'll give you all the power. I'll give you all the money. I'll fire Rich McKay. I'll clear out anyone that would get in the way of what you're trying to do. And you're in charge. Would Arthur Blank, in an act of desperation, give Belichick the same power he had in New England at a time when we have all come to the conclusion that it was too much? They didn't have any checks and balances. Robert Kraft said that himself. We need to have Dr. No's around us. Who protect us from ourselves? Belichick didn't have that in New England. Would Arthur Blank be willing to give that to him if it keeps him away from a place where he would have less power, but he'd have a better team than what he's had since he won his last Super Bowl?
1: Does the success and the play of Baker Mayfield teach any lessons, or is it just something to enjoy?
3: No, I think it does teach lessons. I don't know why Mayfield was so overlooked in free agency last year his rookie year he was very good 2019 the coaching staff was not good and he regressed 2020 he was great he got them to the brink of a win over the chiefs in kansas city in the division round of the playoffs and it was the next year that he suffered an injury week two against the texans when he went to make a tackle after a turnover and quarterbacks should never go try to make a tackle after a turnover just get down get out of the play live to see another day don't put yourself at risk it wiped out his 2021 season. He had that chronic left shoulder injury for the rest of the year. And then 2022 was a mess. They decided they wanted to pursue Deshaun Watson. They held on to his rights. They traded him late to the Panthers. The Panthers were a mess. And we just kind of rode off. We, I mean, collectively, the league wrote off Baker Mayfield. He walks into Tampa for $4 million. $4 million. what a bargain he's turned out to be. It's not going to be a bargain next year. But I just think it was a mistake by the people out there who overlooked what he did in 2018 and 2020 and got too caught up in the more recent Baker Mayfield experience.
4: It's also a credit to Todd Bowles and what he's done with that Tampa team, which is a very different team than the one that he started with.
3: No, absolutely. And look, there were real questions in Tampa as to whether or not if they lost and didn't look good on Monday night, would Todd Bowles be replaced? The Glazer family gets infatuated with big names and there's a lot of big names out there And they really didn't hire Bowles in the traditional way. It was Bruce Arians retiring very late in the cycle. And what else were they going to do at that point when coaching staffs were locked in and you're already on the brink of the offseason program? So when I saw that game Monday night and there were questions swirling about the coach of both teams, I saw one team that really wanted to keep its coach around. And I saw another team that didn't seem to care. Wow. Mm. How is Jim Ursay doing? Yeah. Well, you know, that was a, a, a concerning report that came out overnight that there was a situation where he was found unresponsive and possible overdose and his skin was actually blue. The Colts have been very quiet about what they've said. They provided an update since the overnight reporting about the incident from December 8th, only to say he's improving, but they have no specifics. So it's it's. Cloaked in mystery, but it sounds like it was pretty serious back on December eight. Here we are on January seventeen. No one has seen him in weeks, and all we're left with by way of his current status is whatever the Colts choose to tell us.
1: So I wonder for what we're waiting here. Like, do we even know if he's conscious?
3: They I- said he's improving, and that he's suffering from a severe respiratory condition, or at least he was. And he's getting great care, and he's improving. And that's it. And of course, people are going to be very sensitive about it. Nobody wants to speculate about it. You're left with whatever official information the team and the family chooses to give. But right now, we don't have much. And based upon the reporting from the 911 call and the response to the incident, it sure looks like it was pretty serious. And you wonder if it was so serious that, you know, recovery is a relative word how much better is he going to get? What's the maximum? And and I don't want to stray into speculation, but in the absence of hard information, we, we make assessments based on what we have. And you know, it, it just, it doesn't sound great. And we just wait for more information that'll shed light on how he's doing.
4: Yeah. Unfortunately, you just wonder how long somebody might've been without oxygen. Right. And that's, that's yeah. always the biggest concern. Yeah, I, uh, exactly. it's hard to segue out of that. Unfortunately, I think I'll, you know, my thoughts are certainly with him. He's, appreciated in in many spaces. But I also want to ask in this coaching carousel, do you ever think there's a chance that Brian Flores could be a head coach again?
3: Well, it's very difficult with a pending lawsuit against the NFL accusing the league of systemic racism for decades and pursuing justice in court, having some of the claims already carved out and determined to be valid to proceed in court. There's still Two years later, almost to the day, February 1 was when the lawsuit was filed. We still haven't gotten clear resolution on which claims are going to go to arbitration and which claims are going to be litigated in court. But as long as that lawsuit is out there, even though it's wrong, and most people think, well, I can understand why no one would want to hire him in the NFL. He's suing the NFL. Folks, folks, you're not allowed to retaliate against people who exercise valid legal rights. When I practice law, the stronger case than the original claim of discrimination or retaliation or some improper motive was the claim that there was retaliation against the employee That's easier to prove because most people can look at that and say, I understand why they don't want this person around. I understand why they would deny that person a promotion or engineer a situation where they can fire the person because they're mad at them for exercising their legal rights. It is legally wrong to do that. It affects Brian Flores and I'm watching New Orleans very careful. There's reports linking them to John Gruden to come in and be the next offensive coordinator. They fired Pete Carmichael, who'd been the coordinator for 15 years. The the Saints would be giving a gigantic middle finger to the league office if they hire John Gruden because he's got a pending lawsuit as well. The NFL doesn't like to do business with people who have sued it, even though it is legally wrong for them to hold a grudge against someone who's done it. So, look, there's so many choices out there for these head coaching jobs. And we haven't heard Brian Flores' name come up once in this cycle. Not a surprise because there's plenty of candidates and they'll just focus on the other candidates and shy away from the candidates who have sued the NFL.
1: Mike, real quick, I meant to ask you this. We're celebrating Josh Allen's 52-yard touchdown run. There's a moment in there where it looks like he's about to slide and doesn't and changes his mind. And I've been thinking a lot about that considering everything we're demanding of defensive players, other than Justin Fields, of course, with every other quarterback, with the the deference that has to be shown, with the near impossible physics demanded of having to change your, the vector of your body in mid-air based on a slide, shouldn't a fake slide be outlawed?
3: Well, it's an excellent point. And he was right at the brink of a fake slide, right? It just looked like a very awkward, but yet skillful juke where I thought he broke his own ankles, the way that he stopped and the way his feet planted. I'm surprised he didn't sprain an ankle there, but it froze the defender who was approaching him straight on just enough to get that guy off his mark. And he may have thought this guy's going to slide. And look, we've seen plenty of videos of Josh Allen when he gets hit he's perfected the flop down to the ground and throw his arms up in the air and throw his helmet back. So guys are aware of the rules that protect them. And whether it's trying to get another free 15 yards or a little okey-doke. There was a game several years ago where Matt Ryan along the sidelines acting like he's stepping out of bounds and the defenders start to pull up. He's, said, oh, well, I'll take another 10 yards if you're going to do that. So yeah, it... It it wasn't as bad. Remember the Kenny Pickett when he was at Pitt? Yes. The, yes. Obvious yes. Obviously, yes. it wasn't the as bad exam. as that. But it was right on the edge of it. And it really was brilliant because I didn't even think about it at the time. I didn't think about it until I saw other people mentioning it yesterday on social media. It's like, you know, he froze that guy. And one of the reasons that guy froze might have been he's getting ready to slide. And I better not commit because they're gonna give him 15 more yards if I do.
1: I just think it's worth it's worth looking at. Maybe the rules committee should at least discuss the possibility of like an NBA kind of flop rule thing in there.
3: Well, and there's plenty of flopping that goes on. And for now, they're far more interested in protecting the quarterbacks against any and all contact because yeah, and it's funny, I don't know that their premise is accurate anymore. They say we have to do all we can to keep the quarterbacks healthy because if they're not healthy, we're not going to have the most watched shows on TV. It doesn't matter. Well, I mean, we'll tune in to watch Mason Rudolph. We'll tune in to watch Josh Dobbs, you know, uh traded CJ Beathard
1: yeah
0: Joe Flacco
3: right off the couch we don't care we'll watch it no matter what it is it's football and it's on tv
0: Mike thank
1: you so much man we appreciate it
3: thanks have a great week
4: thanks Mike
1: Mike Florio Adam Hogue is next get Bears specific on the score